Hello you filthy animals and welcome to another episode of the Old Metal Bar Steward brought to you by 25 Years Later Media and Illuminations Radio Network. I am your host, the Old Metal Bar Steward himself, Neil Gray and before we get into this week's show, it's time for the usual disclaimer. The opinions and thoughts of the Old Metal Bar Steward are mine and mine alone and in no way reflect the opinions and thoughts of 25 Years Later Media and Illuminations Radio Network. So let's get to it, shall we? Out with the old and in with the news. Satan is alive and well, apparently. I'm running a New Jersey college radio station called WSOU. At least, that's according to a bunch of so-called Catholics going by the snuffy title of Shutdown WSOU. These, <coughs> excuse me, idiots, have taken to protesting outside the studio, telling anyone that will listen that WSOU is satanic and demanding that it be closed permanently. They cite the fact that the station has played songs by well-known black metal bands who I've never actually heard of and had to look up as all the proof that they need that old Nick is in control and trying to corrupt the youth of America. The head whack job, Richard Smaglick, why do all these fundamental religious groups have a leader that has the stupidest fucking name in the universe, has gone on record as saying, this is a Catholic university. Catholic universities of America have lost track of their mission to an extreme. It's so bad that this Catholic university is airing Satanism. Really? To what they call a target audience of 12-year-olds in the largest media market in North America, and that needs to end. Right then. First off, if the mission that he's talking about is to be part of a religious doctrine that for centuries has repressed people based on their race sex and sexuality while shielding hundreds if not thousands of child abusers from prosecution just because they were priests then i'm all for them quote unquote losing their way secondly music doesn't make people evil anyone who's ever claimed that heavy metal made them do it was either the product of a very abusive or neglectful home life or just plain fucking evil to start with Thirdly, what alternative radio station or any radio station targets 12-year-olds? That's not going to work, and sure as shit wouldn't bring in any ad revenue. Finally, if Jesus was born now, I reckon he'd be a headbanger. Don't believe me? Let's look at the evidence, shall we? A long-haired outsider who was ridiculed for what he believed in. Are you trying to tell me he wouldn't be in the mosh pit of a Slipknot concert? Look... I understand that not everyone who is religious is as bad as these Muppets. In fact, I've always been of the train of thought that you believe in what you want to believe in. As long as you're not hurting anyone else, it's nobody's damn business what your faith is. But when these kind of morons start to crawl out from whatever rock they've been hiding under for the past 10, 15 years, then it's up to all of us, non-believers and believers alike, to make a stand and tell them that they need to wind their fucking necks in. After all, it only takes one zealot with a gun to take these dumb fucks at their word and we have a whole new fucking problem to deal with. And while I'm on the subject of dumb fucks, over in Russia, Putin and his goon squad are once again doing what the fuck they feel like without any fear of reprisals. Andrei Borovikov. Andrei Borovikov? Yeah, that sounds about right. Excuse me, my friend. I don't know how to pronounce your last name, a Randstein fan, 
found himself in court facing charges of manufacturing and distributing pornography after it was discovered that he had shared the video to Pussy back in 2014. He was found guilty and sentenced to two and a half years. This has caused every right-minded person in the universe to call absolute bullshit, as it's obvious that the real reason that he was on trial is because he's an activist who has spoken out on more than one occasion against Mad Vlad and his Fourth Reich. Now, not seen as a huge threat to the powers that be, they decided to forego the poison in the teacup ring and just lock him up on some trumped-up charges instead. Amnesty International has released a statement that reads, It's blatantly obvious that he is being punished solely for his activism, not his musical taste. The prosecution against him is a mockery of justice, and we will call for all charges against him to be dropped. The Russian authorities should be focusing on turning around the spiralling human rights crisis they have created, not devising ludicrous new ways of prosecuting and silencing their critics. And Randstein guitarist Richard Zay Krupps added, I'm aware of his case. I very much regret that he has been sentenced to imprisonment for this. The harshness of this sentence is shocking. Randstein have always stood up for the freedom of art as a guaranteed basic right of all people. It amazes me that in this day and age, any government in a supposedly developed country can just throw someone in the slammer when they feel like it, just because that person has voiced their disagreement with an arcane and dangerous system that will happily violate human rights whenever it suits them. I might hate the morons running the UK, but at least I can talk to you like this, expressing my opinions freely, without the fear of them kicking down my door and dragging me off to the nearest gulag, just because I said something that they don't agree with. I stand with this man, and you should all stand with him as well. Now it's time for everyone's favourite new segment, the Nutty Nugent Watch. That's right, faithful listeners, it isn't a Tombs episode without old Ted proving to the world that he's still batshit insane. And this week is no different. Ted being Ted decided to take yet another pop at Joe Biden, this time on Newsmax. For those of you who don't know, which included your old metal bastard himself, Newsmax is a conservative website that just loves people like Ted Nugent. So this was going to be a match made in right-wing heaven. Ted said, I've got to tell you, I hang around with a lot of great families every day of my life here in Texas, and I'm in communication with great families all over the world. I think the most important indicator right now is not the self-evident truth that we the people of the United States of America stand for and continue to believe in and celebrate, but around the world, I'm hearing from people from every corner of the planet going, Uncle Ted, what the hell are you guys letting happen to America? We look to America as the last, only good place where you have individual freedoms as guaranteed by that sacred constitution and bill of rights. They're looking at America right now, literally, with this freak in the White House. His words, by the way, freak in the White House. And his gang that violates their oaths every day. The rest of the world is sitting back and going, America, you better put the brakes on because you're turning into Portland and San Francisco and homeless and feces and needles and exploding crime rates that is engineered and he just lost me at that. Okay. Anyone calling Ted Nugent, Uncle Ted, obviously has some skeletons in their closet, probably to do with being forced to sit on that family member's knee. You know, the one usually talked about in hushed whispers. Next, 
unless you find yourself living under a dictatorship. I doubt very much that anyone looks at America as the last only good place where you have individual freedoms as guaranteed by the sacred constitution and the Bill of Rights. As I've already mentioned, I'm in the UK and will quite happily take this little island over the clusterfuck that is currently the United States of America. A place where gun crime is so rife and such a common occurrence that whenever some nut job goes postal and kills a bunch of kids, we all just shrug our shoulders as if to say, well, that's the norm, isn't it? No, it's not the fucking norm. It should never be the fucking norm. And it wouldn't be the fucking norm if the likes of Ted Nugent had his guns taken away. And to claim that the president is a freak and the people he works with break the ropes every day, what fucking planet is this guy living on? In four months, Biden has achieved more than Trump did in four fucking years. And he hasn't tried to stage any sort of military coup either. Which is, as far as I can make out, a big plus for a person charged with running your fucking country. But Ted wasn't just content with slandering the president and anyone that works for him, as he's now decided that racism doesn't exist in the good old US of A, and that anyone who thinks it does is an idiot. Joined by his blonde hair, blue-eyed, not-at-all Aryan-looking wife, Shemaine, really, Shemaine, wow, Ted took to YouTube to say the following. There is no systematic racism. Sorry? There is no systemic racism. It's a lie. There isn't any systemic racism. We fixed that. It's 2021 and there's no white supremacy. It's not a threat. White supremacists haven't burned down Seattle or Portland. They didn't burn down Kenosha. They didn't burn down Minneapolis. These were so-called Black Life Matter terrorists and Antifa and Democratic supporters who hate America, hate God, hate family, hate freedom, hate the Constitution, hate the Bill of Rights, hate hard-working Americans. That's a lot of hate there. They are the terrorists. Black Lives Matter, Antifa, those are the terrorists. They burn down cities and destroy things. There are no white supremacists doing that. There might be a couple of dirtbag white supremacists out there, but they're virtually inconsequential. It's bullshit. So be careful of the propaganda ministry and the censorship of big tech because it's always big tech's fault. They literally censor the President of the United States, not the goofball in the White House now, but Donald Trump. What a surprise, Ted's standing up for Donald Trump. And they suppress Shimang, Shimang, Shimani, whatever. And I, because we stand up for God, family, country, constitution, bill of rights, the Ten Commandments, the Golden Rule, the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and law and order. Okay, first off, I'm pretty sure fucking the Bill of Rights, the Ten Commandments, the Golden Rule. The Golden Rule is definitely a kung fu film. I've definitely seen that. Tell your mayor, your senator, your congressman, or your governor that your family demands law and order. And if anybody says defund the police, you know those people that like to spend most of their time shooting black people, they're on the side of rapists. Wow. You know who wants to defund the police? Rapists. Because obviously rapists have a voice. Especially when it comes to, you know, voting on defunding the police. You know who wants them to defund the police? Carjackers. When they're not too busy trying to steal your car. 
You know who wants to defund the police? Evil. So when someone even hints that they want to compromise the capabilities of law enforcement, you're looking at the devil. Because the devil rapes, murders, carjacks, child molests and assaults people. And that's what happens when you defund the police. That's insanity. That's cultural and spiritual suicide. You know it. I know it. Even the lying punks on TV know it, but they're going to lie anyhow. I'm going to pause here to take a drink. Now, having just sat here and read that to you, I feel as if I need to go and rinse my mouth out with bleach and give my brain a mind enema. It is the most ridiculous, hate-filled bile it's ever been my misfortune to have to report on. And so far off the fucking mark that I fear for anyone who goes hunting with Ted Nugent is he might mistake them for a deer and shoot an arrow up their ass. Tell me this, Ted. If there is no such thing as systemic racism in America, then can you explain why black men and women all across your country are terrified at the sight of a police officer? Is it because they're overreacting? Or is it because they don't know if this motherfucker in front of them woke up trigger happy that fucking morning? Just because people don't get lynched in the fucking street anymore doesn't mean your racism problem is cured. They're trying to blame Black Lives Matter campaigners and Antifa members for riots that were either caused by Trump sending in troops against the wishes of mayors and governors just proves to me what you are. When I first started laughing at Ted Nugent a few weeks back, I was convinced that he couldn't possibly believe everything he said and that he did it to make sure that those who bought his records carried on buying them by the truckload. Then I started to think that he might just be batshit insane. Then I thought he was dangerous. Now I just think he's plain fucking evil. Throwing God's name around as if that somehow absolves you from all the bullshit you spout. I've read the Bible, Ted, of you. Because if you have, then you know that nowhere in that book does it say that it's fine to murder people just because of the colour of their skin? Nah, this isn't funny anymore. Ted Nugent is a fucking poster boy for white supremacists and I will not stop reporting on this walking sack of shit until everyone in the world knows just what a disgusting, evil hate monger he really is. Fuck Ted Nugent and fuck the morons that buy his records. And talking of morons... Die Antwerp are back in the news for all the wrong reasons. Several artists on the bill for this year's Alternative London have spoken out against the occlusion of the band due to their history of racism, alleged sexual assault and homophobia. Bob Villain has released a video on Twitter in which he states, So, some of you may know, we are scheduled to play at a festival called Alternative London this summer. And on that same festival is a band called Die Antwerp. Now, I'm not extremely familiar with their music, but that's neither here nor there, because I am familiar and becoming more familiar with their history of abuse towards young people, towards vulnerable people, towards gay people and people of colour. Needless to say, I'm not fucking thrilled that this band is on the same festival as us. I'm even less thrilled that they're on the same fucking stage as us. But of course, I have no say over who gets booked for this festival. So, looking for things that I can do is becoming challenging. Now what I can do is publicly ask for Alternative London to remove Die Antwerp from this festival and from this lineup, which is what I'm doing here now. 
Thank you, Zan, for making me aware of the history of abuse, which I'm learning more and more on. Unfortunately, there doesn't seem to be an end to it. But I'm publicly asking for alternative London removed by Anne Ward from the bill. And if not, I and other acts, I'm sure, will protest their presence with our presence and make it extremely fucking uncomfortable for them to be there. I can guarantee that. As for Zand, she took to Instagram and wrote, As grateful as I am for this insane opportunity to be playing amongst a lineup packed with some many talented and iconic artists, it must be said I do not feel comfortable at all with a certain band playing this festival due to their long history of abuse. Having a safe space for victims and all people should be a priority to all of us, and in this instance, because it is not, I will not allow my stance on this to come off as complacent by not addressing what needs to be addressed. Every artist on the bill, let's get it. It still boggles my mind that in this day and age, people like Di Antwoord exist, and even more amazing is that they still manage to find work. If you or I had been subject of at least three sexual assault allegations, dressed up in blackface and being caught on tape indulging in a hate crime by repeatedly beating on a gay person while screaming homophobic abuse at them, we'd be in fucking jail and very, very fucking unemployed. Yet here they are with zero consequences for their actions. So if you're thinking of going to this festival, take a stand. Tell the promoters that they won't be getting your hard-earned money if they persist with having these fucking assholes on the show. If artists and fans alike speak up, then they'll have zero choice but to pull them from the bill. Just ask no effects. The skate rockers slash punk crap were due to perform at this year's punk rock bowling festival in Las Vegas, but have been forced to pull out of the show due to receiving a torrent of abuse from very angry fans. This all stems to their appearance at the 2018 show, where their chief chuckle brothers, Fat Mike and Melvin, Melvin, decided to try to better stand up about lone gunman Stephen Paddock, who opened fire on people from a hotel room window who were attending a country music festival in the city in 2017, leaving more than 50 dead and 527 injured. Fat Mike, being hysterical as he is, quipped, we played a song about Muslims and we didn't get shot, to which Melvin looked to nail the landing with, I guess you only get shot in Vegas if you're in a country band. That sucked, but at least they were country fans and not punk rock fans. Because nothing says, aren't we a band of the people more than mocking a mass fucking shooting? As you can imagine, the people who love Vegas haven't forgotten what these dumb fucks said. And when it was announced that they'd be at this year's show, they took to every form of social media to tell no FX to FX off. And it worked. The most untalented band in the world has been forced to remove themselves from the bill and it couldn't happen to a nicer bunch of wankstains. It just goes to show, you can make a difference and these idiots can be held accountable for their fucking actions. Wow. This has been a pretty heavy show so far this week, hasn't it? Right, let's look at something a little more uplifting. Dee Snyder and Twisted Sister have been involved in a court case against Australian politician Clive Palmer. This all stems from Palmer using an unauthorised version of the sister classic, We're Not Gonna Take It, during the 2019 federal election campaign. Palmer's version was called, Aussie's Not Gonna Cop It, because if you're gonna rip off a song, 
why bother changing anything more than a couple of lyrics, and was such a blatant rip-off that the judge, who presided over the case, ordered him to pay $1.5 million in damages. Now, before this happened, I had no idea who Clive Palmer was and had to look him up. Having done so, I gotta say, if anyone deserves a $1.5 million kick to the ballsack, it's Palmer. The guy's a fucking scumbag, a true sleaze, who was only in this life to get out of it what he can. And he doesn't think twice about ripping off anyone he comes across before tying them up in so much litigation when they sue that their money runs out and he walks away scot-free. Luckily, he tried to pull the same shit with Dee Snyder and Twisted Sister, who, as anyone who will, will know from the PMRC hearings, don't take that sort of crap line down. It might not make too big a dent in Mr. Palmer's personal fortune, being bet your ass that he'll think twice before trying to pull the same shit again. Also, to all the idiots I've seen on Dee Snyder's Twitter calling him out for being money-hungry, y'all realise that he won't get a penny of the settlement, right? That he sold his catalogue of songs a long time ago? Or he didn't? Well, maybe next time, you look into a story a bit closer before you open your dumb fucking mouth. Glenn Danzig has been talking to Rolling Stone magazine about cancer culture, and as you would expect, he's had a bit to say. Discussing how the misfits would fare in this day and age, he said that the lyrics were written just to piss people off, like, fuck everybody, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck the world, fuck your system, fuck all this bullshit. There won't be any new bands coming out like that. People don't understand because everything's so cancel culture won't bullshit. You can never have the punk explosion nowadays because of cancel culture and won't bullshit. And you can never have it. It would never have happened. We're lucky it happened when it did because it'll never happen again. You won't have any of these kinds of bands ever again. Everyone is so uptight and PC. And it's sad to think that if punk had happened now, that it would have been killed in the womb before it was even born. There was no way, no fucking way, that the likes of the Sex Pistols would have been able to get away with a song like Bodies. The Ramones would never, ever have released Now I Want to Sniff Some Glue. And Last Caress would have seen Glenn and the boys strung up across the internet. If the cancer culture mob had its way, punk would have been a blip on the radar. And the thought that any new movement that may be springing forth at any time could just be so easily snuffed out by a bunch of fucking keyboard warriors genuinely fills me with dread. If you're in a band, if you're part of a scene, don't let these fuckers win. Do what feels right and true and people will always find their way to you. Here is a 10 second pause you wanted, bitch. We know you've been scared watching horror movies by yourself. Well, now you don't have to. Hang out with Ruminations of Redrum. All things horror, from movies to the latest spooky games we've played. Come hang out. But hurry. The killer's behind you! Kelly Osborne has been talking about her relapse after three years of sobriety on the Knocking Down Doors podcast. She said, I was running on my own self-will for too long because I got happy. And I am that classic addict that is like, oh, I'm happy, everything's great now, I can do whatever the fuck I want. And it took one person saying one thing to me that let the addict in my head be like, fuck. Because I was dealing with a lot of stress, everyone has this year. 
If you're in a program, the pandemic has really screwed a lot of people because we need our fellowship. We need our meetings. We need the program and the way that it is. And then all of a sudden that gets ripped away from you. And you're like, how do I start again? And then you become a classic victim. And you start looking for excuses and look for an excuse. And then I finally found the excuse that I needed and I took it. It was a quick bender. And the reason I had to be honest about it is because this journey is not easy. This disease, you relapse sometimes. No one's perfect. It is one day at a time. And I wasn't doing it one day at a time. I wasn't. I wasn't using my resources. I stopped calling my sponsor. I stopped going to meetings. I stopped seeing my therapist because I was like, I have the most amazing boyfriend in the world and my dreams are coming true. All the jobs that I wanted to get that I got because I was sober and was capable to be present enough to do them. And then I was like, oh my God, all your dreams are coming true. You're going to have to destroy it now. You're not good enough. You don't deserve this. And I let it get the better of me. My heart goes out to Kelly here. I've had my own battles with drugs and alcohol over the last 36 years and though I've managed to tame the dragon, the war against booze is a constant one. Hell, I've been on and off the wagon more times than Charlie's Sheen. Every time it seems that I'm ready to take that step and put the bottle behind me, I always find an excuse to pour one more beer. Had a good day? Have a beer. Show went well? Have a beer. Managed to get through the morning without punching someone in the face? Have a beer. So I know what she means when she says that she let it get a better of her. It's a constant set of skirmishes that you have to overcome from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed. And it isn't fucking easy. And I hope that she gets her sober life back on track. And I also hope that I can follow suit. Preferably sooner rather than later. A few weeks ago, I was fired up at the news at Soulfly working on a new album. But much to my dismay, I made a jump the gun. And it's now looking like a 2022 release for Max Cavalera's next masterpiece. Talking to Chaos TV, Max said, We're just working on it. We're still just developing it. It's in the early stages of being recorded. We recorded some, and we have to record a little bit more. But we're just really taking our time. I don't think it's going to come out this year because we already have Go Ahead and Die. That's coming out in June. So there's not really a hurry to make something fast. So we're just going to take it easy and do it little by little. So probably we'll have it finished for next year. Well, shit. I was hoping to have some more Soulfly in my life before the year's end, but that doesn't look like it's going to be happening now. Still, if Go Ahead and Die is what I have to settle for instead, then I'm pretty fucking happy with that as it promises to be fucking brutal. Sacred Rikes frontman Phil Ryan has set up a GoFundMe campaign to help his wife Sandy as she recovers from brain surgery and I urge each and every one of you to go and give what you can to this cause. I cannot imagine what it must be like to have someone you love go through such a horrific time only to be lumped with a huge bill for their current and future care. It just seems crazy to me how the medical system works in America. About two and a half years ago, my eldest daughter caught a chest infection and became a full-blown life-threatening disease and saw her strapped to a machine with tubes sticking out of her. When I first walked into that room, I broke down. Here was my baby girl, not even eight months old, terrified, not knowing what was going on, sick as fucking all hell, and it broke my fucking heart. Luckily, we have the NHS in this country, and the doctors and nurses who saved her life during all this 
will forever be heroes to me. But if we'd lived in the States, we'd have had to have had a ridiculous amount of cash just for the procedures to get her, give her the right to live. It's fucking insane. So until this antiquated system gets an overhaul, people like Phil Ryan are going to need your help, and it's not just him and his wife. As I've talked about on the last couple of shows, Exodus drummer Tom Hunting is battling stomach cancer and has had to set up a GoFundMe page of his own to help with his medical costs. So once again, I urge you all to go and give a little to this course. And if you're in Sacramento on July the 17th, make sure you pick up some tickets for a benefit concert that's being held for him at One The Why. There's only going to be about 100 seats, so make sure you do it quickly, as it promises to be a stomping show. With blind illusions, the boneless ones, and Jesus Christ is all on the bill. Plus, it's for a good cause. Don't be a fucking tight one. In other news, Black Label Society have recorded 30 songs on their next album, and holy crap, that's a lot of sack wild guitar goodness. I'm hoping that they release the lot as a double album. Do people still do double albums? As I'm pretty sure it'll make my producer Mitch's head explode. On the subject of new music, Rob Halford says that Judas Priest is working on a very potent new album that promises to ratchet up the metal even more than their 2018 Firepower outing. Talking of that record, the Metal God said, it turned the metal up for all of us in the band. It really gave us a tremendous boost this far on. And so, as a result of that, we carried all the energy from firepower, we carried all the energy from the shows, and we took that with us when we went into the writing sessions last March. Not this March, but last March, and you can sense it in the writing. So we already have some extremely potent, strong material. Now, as far as I'm concerned, you can never have enough Judas Priest. And if this is anywhere near the level of heavy that the metal god is promising, it should be a face shredder. He's also been talking about his long-touted blues record, and it seems that it's all ready to go. It's all recorded, and according to the man himself, is living on his phone. But by the sounds of things, we shouldn't expect it any time soon. He said, when time allows, and it's been a very, very tough time for so many musicians, with what we've all been dealing with, with the COVID pandemic, and the glorious waiting to launch 50th Priest Tour and another Priest record, then we'll get to the blues album. Now that sounds to me as if it's still somewhere down the road. But as I am utterly fascinated with the idea of the metal god singing the blues, a genre I love as much as metal itself, then I'll wait for as long as it takes. Mickey D has been talking about his time in Motorhead on the Full Metal Jackie show. He had this to say. I think that's why we work so well is because we were three different personalities and three different wills or ideas, but it really clicked for us really well. We worked fantastic together. We had our discussions, but it all ended up in a great camaraderie and respect for each other, which was great. So it was very easy in a way to work together because we all wanted the same thing and we had almost the same vision all the time. So we pulled in the right direction and the same direction. It was great. Of course, every year, the years went on, we got tighter and tighter. I miss Lemmy tremendously, of course. But we all did so much good stuff. When we released a new thing like this, it was just, wow, it's great. 
I listen to the record louder than noise and I go, wow, we played that song and this song. Of course, we kind of forgot exactly how the set this was. You get surprised yourself how good the show is and you can actually almost smell the arena, how it was. It's all good, I have to say. But of course, you get reminded of Lemmy and how good we had it. But it doesn't give me sadness, I just miss him, basically. I like to think about Lemmy in a positive way. I don't try. That's what I actually do, because we had so much fun and we did so much together that I really cherish the memory and the history that we created. If I walk around super sad every time I hear Lemmy's name or we do anything about the old motorhead, it would be terrible. So I put a smile on when I listen to this and go, wow, we did something great. And I can actually see and hear Lemmy right in front of me and that's what brings me happiness instead of sadness. Now I've covered how much Lemmy and Motorhead meant to me and still mean to me on a personal level on more than one occasion. And like many of you listening to the show, I felt a great personal loss when he passed away in 2015. Having said all that, I know exactly what Mickey D is getting at here. The first time I cranked up louder than noise, I was instantly transported back to every single fucking time I was stood at a motorhead show, banging my head like a fucking lunatic. As the greatest rock band in the world tried to peel my skin off with utter volume from their speakers, and it was fucking glorious. I put a smile on my face that the Cheshire Cat would have been jealous of. Lemmy might be gone, but his legacy will last longer after we've all shuffled off this mortal coal. And if it can bring even the smallest amount of joy to someone out there down the line, then that's a fucking life well worth living. And finally, have you ever found yourself jonesing from a Metallica-themed Transformer? How about six strands of Kurt Cobain's hair? Well, now you can own both thanks to the wonders of the internet. First up, modeler Simon Smith has knocked together a Master of Puppets version of Optimus Prime. He said... I received a request sometime last year from a collector on Instagram for a new Metallica Optimus Prime to be made. I wanted to base this off the album cover and pay respects to Cliff Burton. So we have a blend of the two ideas. The box layout is epic. There is no doubt who this piece is based on, and the top flap with the three crosses really drives home the feel from the album. Making this piece, I listened to Master of Puppets over and over again, and it really got me that we had lost such a passionate musician like Cliff Burton, Cliff was one of the major forces that propelled Metallica's music in the early years to another level. At the time of recording this episode, it currently sits on eBay, with the top bid being a tasty $610 for a toy. Well, hell, who am I to tell you what to spend your cash on? But if Metallica doesn't float your boat, then Iconic Auctions can offer you six strands of Kurt Cobain's hair from the collection of Tessa Osborne, who once cut it from his head. Well, I don't know. I guess people will buy anything this day. But a fallen is money and all that. Anyway, there it is. Another week. Another episode of The Old Metal Bar Steward. I've been your host, The Old Metal Bar Steward himself, Neil Gray. And as always, I'd like to thank you for listening to the show, brought to you by 25 Years Later Media and the Room Nations Radio Network. And you all know the drill by now. When you turn off my dog's at tones, head on over to the main 25 Years Later site, as well as its sister sites, Horror Obsessive and Sports Obsessive, and get your eyeballs some top-notch reading. And don't forget to check out the other podcasts on the Ruminations Radio Network, as they've got you covered no matter what your ear holes are craving. I'll be back here in seven days' time with more news, reviews and opinions, 
And if you want to follow me on that there, Twitter, you can at WWRuminations. So until I speak to you next, stay safe and stay metal, you filthy animals. Hey, this is Charlie, Triple C, from Brevity Box, a new and interesting podcast from the Ruminations Radio Network. If you're a fan of podcasts, we have a lot of great content to offer. Come check out our diverse group of podcasts and hosts at ruminationsradionetwork.com.